About 120 years ago, the Boxer Rebellion was happening over in China. There was a lot of unrest, a lot of guerrilla groups going around persecuting Christians. There was 100 young people gathered together having a Bible study. Youth, college-aged young people. A group of guerrillas surrounded the camp and blocked all the exits. All except one. They left one open. And in the compound there, they found a cross. And at that one exit they had open, they laid the cross in the ground, in the mud. And they sent word inside to the group of 100 young people who didn't know what was coming next. They said this, you know what, you guys are free. You're free to go. One requirement. On your way out, that cross that is in there in the mud, you have to walk over it and trample it. You're free. So 100 young people lined up. What would you do if you were that first one? 99 pairs of eyes watching you. That first person came to the door, the exit. He trampled the cross and walked down the road. Person number two, same thing. Person number three, the first seven trampled that cross and walked to their freedom. The eighth person was a young girl. She came to the cross. She knelt down. She prayed to God for strength. She walked out around that cross and went to the firing squad. What was the result? 92 of the others followed in her footsteps. What did that girl have that the first seven didn't? What was different about her? We'll leave that story for a minute. There was a young boy at a very young age he had great aspirations for his life. His family served on the mission field, and all he wanted to do in life was these three things. He would get up in the morning, he would drive a garbage truck. Pretty cool. He was pretty excited about this. He would come home, he would take a shower, he would go to the doctor's office. That's where he'd help people for the morning. He'd come home again at lunch, take another shower, and he'd head off to the mission field, be a mission pastor. That's what he aspired. That's what he saw himself doing. Well, that little boy continued to grow up. His worldview was shapened. At age eight, he moved back to the U.S. And his worldview changed there again as well. Who are these strange white people? He got accustomed to that culture as well. At the age of 12, he sensed a calling from God. He fought it for several weeks. Now, you think a young boy who grew up knowing that Christianity is the way to go would 
answer pretty quickly to the call. No, he fought it. He thought he had it within himself. Finally, on one day, May 17, 2007, he said, all right, God, I'm done. I'm yours. He went to his parents, and he received God into his heart. That young boy was me. And I'll tell you what, as a new Christian, I wanted to draw close to God. A young 12-year-old boy. I tried to have my devotions every day. 13, 14, entered the teen years. I thought I had things down pat. I wasn't so sure about mom and dad anymore, school teachers. I'm not sure they knew exactly what was best. They didn't understand me. And while on the outside, I acted like I was a good Christian boy. I started pursuing sports, wrong kinds of music. I was on, wasn't on a good path. On the outside, I looked pretty good. Finally, at the age of about 16 or 17, we had a spiritual enrichment week at school. And God spoke to me, and I rededicated my life. And I would say the years of 17 and 18, I was on fire for God. I tried to pursue him. Then I graduated high, out of high school. What an accomplishment. Wow, Zach, you did it. And then I went into the workforce. That's where it's at. School's done. But I fell into a level of complacency. And with our culture today, our tech world, it's easy to push relationships to the side. And I'll confess something, I'm good at covering things up. I can look good on the outside. And I'm sure some of you can relate. It's easy to look good on the outside. But we all know what's in our heart. Thankfully, I was able to get beside some brothers in the church. I started teaching school. Took a year break from that to pursue some other things, pursue a relationship. God brought a wonderful young lady into my life. was married. I thought, like, once you get married, it's easy. Like, people would say, oh, marriage, ooh, yeah, it's roses at first, but then, like, come on. Well, while marriage is wonderful, amazing, it takes work like any relationship. It takes being a strong leader, and that means being in the Word of God. Well, I continued to teach school, became involved in a new school starting up, and there was a minister ordination at our church. I fought that for a while, but now we're here. And I want to serve. And I want to take this moment to say thank you to each of you who have supported my family through these past couple weeks. The texts, the calls, I couldn't begin to name them, flowers, chocolate. The body of believers is a blessing. Let's not take that for granted. So I thank you. Thank you for that. So now you 
heard a little bit about me. That's who I am. And the message that God laid on my heart is mainly for me. So I invite you to join me. This is my challenge to myself as I face some new leadership things in my life. Back to the girl who knelt down at the cross. What, what, what one word comes to your mind? Shout it out. Committed. Love. Courage. Good words. There it is. Courage. That's my theme this morning. That girl was committed. That girl had love. She had courage. What is courage? How would you define courage? Courage is the state, quality or state of mind or spirit, enabling one to face danger or hardship with confidence and resolution, bravery. Now, when you think about that girl, yeah, she had courage. And when I think of courage, I think of Daniel and guys like that stood for what is right. I recently saw this quote, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Yeah, I had to have a little courage this morning. It is also what it takes on occasion to sit down and listen. Hmm. When I think of courage, I think of somebody standing up and being bold. But you know what? There's also a quiet courage. We don't always have to be that bold, courageous one. No. I think each of us needs to have that courage in our life. At some point, it might be mean being bold or listening to somebody else or you name it. So when you think of uh, courageous men from the Bible, who do you think of? Now, I will confess some teacher tendencies of mine might come out in my preaching, so I might ask for some feedback. So what courageous men might come to your mind? Hmm, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abraham. Elijah. Daniel. Joseph. David. We could go on and on and on. So why do you view them as courageous? Pull out your paper and write a half-page essay. <laughs> That's your homework for this afternoon. Can you get courage? What makes you courageous? What made these men courageous? The story of the Israelites, I think we're all familiar with. They started out in Egypt. They were in bondage. Moses came along, tried to convince Pharaoh, took ten plagues. Finally, they're on their way out. What did God do for them? Wow, we could spend all morning naming the miracles that he performed in their life, in their journey. Guess what? They complained. They didn't believe they could conquer the land. So, 40 years, got to wander around. Moses, strong leader even didn't have quite the faith he couldn't enter the promised land. 
So he handed the baton off to Joshua. Joshua takes over 40 years later. He starts the conquest into Canaan. And as you're thinking about that, think of all the battles that they won. You know, one after the other, God was with them. So they conquer the land, they get spread out. At the end of Joshua's life, he calls them all together. Now, if you're like me, I, I put myself in the Israelite shoes and I think, wow. You look back, you see what God did for you. Duh, of course you know who you're going to serve, right? Huh. You know what Joshua said? Turn to Joshua 24. I'm just going to read one verse. The text for my first point. So Joshua gathered all the people together. He talked about what God had done for them. <clears throat> he said God gave them land. He goes through a couple examples of what God did for him, the Red Sea, and on and on. Jumping in at Joshua 24, verse 15. This is Joshua talking to the Israelites now. They're all set up in their new land of Canaan. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people go on to say, oh, yes, we're going to serve God. Jumping down to verse 19. Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous. He will not forgive your transgressions. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. These people were all fired up about serving God. Yes, Joshua says, whoa, you better serve him. Or he will punish you. You see, Joshua here saw the need. And when we think about courage, when we think about that young girl kneeling at the cross, or David, Joshua, the guys of the Bible who were courageous, we think, yeah, I could be courageous. If it'd come down to the point, I'd kneel down and pray and ask God for strength. Would you? But you might say, well, I can't prepare for that moment. Hmm. I challenge that this morning, and I think the first step in courage is seeing the need. We need to see that there is a need for courage. Men and women of God are called to be courageous, standing for what is right. If we don't see the need, we won't be prepared. Joshua here saw the need for the people to choose who they were going to serve. What were they going to do? Were they going to stand for what is right? And he challenged them on that. And if we look around at the world today, do we need men and women of courage? <laughs> More than ever before. Look at all the things that are calling for our attention. All the things that want our time. We need men and women to stand so do you see a need for courage? If you think about the world around us, do you see a need? You with me? Okay, so we see the need. Great, we're ready to go. We can be courageous, right? What makes you courageous? Yeah, we see the need, but there's something deeper. Turn with me to Isaiah 
43. Isaiah 43 is where I would like to go next. You know, it's one thing to see the need, but we need to obtain it. How can we get it? How can we make ourselves more courageous? Yes, the Holy Spirit can give us grace and strength in the moment. Isaiah 43, I would like to read the first seven verses. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overcome thee, overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindled upon thee. For I, the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. What, is this, what, is, what feeling does that give you here? God is saying, I will be with you. You're mine. We are his children. I've created you. Ah. If we would only remember that when we have the need, when we have the moment to be courageous. We're his, we're his children. What do children do? A little glimpse into my daughter. Sometimes I'll be gone for a while, or just recently I moved my office to the basement and been doing some studying and schoolwork down there, and she'll stand at the top of the stairs. Daddy, I want you. Uh, yes, I'm busy right now. Oh, some moments is so precious. Daddy, I want you. She just loves to come play down there in the office if I'm working. Wouldn't you agree? Eh. And then if we're at Grandma's house, that's another story. She doesn't want me there. But for the most part, she wants mom and dad. That's where she feels safe. Do you feel safe? with God. He's our Father. And because we're His children, we seek Him. We need to seek Him. And when we seek Him, that's when we form that connection. When Keturah is sitting in my office with me, ah, oh, she's in bliss. That's how it is when we're with our Father. When we seek Him, we form that connection. We form that faith, that confidence. God, you are my God, you're my Father, protector, provider, all these things. He's called us by name. He's going to walk with us. The rivers won't overflow thee. But that confidence and faith only comes when we pursue Him. That doesn't come when we try our own thing. That only comes when we spend time, when we seek Him. 
Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When we wait, God gives courage. He builds up that faith and confidence. Jesus, when he was, actually, if you look at his life, so many times he took time out to go pray. And he would spend time in prayer, 40 days of fasting. He would escape. When the trial of the cross came, what did he do? He went before God in prayer. He knew he couldn't face it. So I think we can prepare for courage by seeing the need and then seeking God. And by seeking God, we build up that faith and confidence so that when the moment comes to be courageous, we have that faith and confidence in God that we know that he will walk with us. So we see the need, and we obtain courage. We seek God. Good, we're good to go, right? Now comes the hard part. Execute it. Point number two, we've got to carry out the courage. We've got to carry out what we prepared for. Go back to Isaiah 43. I'd like to read verses 8 to 10. So God is saying, you are mine. I'm with you. I've called you by name. Verse 8, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say, it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So right after God says, you're mine, he says, all right. There's blind people, there's deaf people out there who don't know where to go. It's your job to bring them. Bring the whole world together. Let all the nations be gathered together. Verse 10, you are my witnesses. So God just does not say, all right, you're mine, you're good, and we'll have our own little happy family. He says, no, go bring others in. He says, there's a need to execute the power that I have given you. It's one thing to say we'll be courageous, but it's another thing to actually be courageous. As you think back over your life, was ever a moment where you blew it? Or maybe you're a little better than I am and you were just always courageous. You took every opportunity to stand for what is right. We're humans. There's a quote recently, a writer was saying, I heard somebody say, I'm not ready to take a stand just now. What's wrong with that statement? The writer goes on to say, I have contempt for a man who knows what the right stand is, but not enough courage to take a stand. The person who said that saw the need for courage. He said, but not right now. Is that what we say when we come to the need to stand for what is right? Whether it be bold, whether it be quiet. So when we execute, sometimes it means a bold courage. Somebody says something, address them. Maybe it means teaching Sunday school if you don't feel qualified preaching, 
talking to your neighbor, handing out tracts. That takes a bold courage. The gas pump. You feel a nudging to talk to somebody. I'm busy. I'm, if you're like me, I fight it all the time. That's a bold courage. It takes being bold. Now, let's go back. If we keep that relationship with God alive, we'll have more faith and confidence in the moment. We will. There's also another more quiet form of courage. We have a body of believers, and we're not perfect. We all have our qualities. But sometimes the things we're good at can hurt us the most because we just see it through our own eyes. And it takes courage to walk up beside somebody and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, here's what I'm seeing. How do you see it? I'm going to give you a little illustration of a dear brother here. I'm going to say his name. Brother Damien has been very dear to me. And one thing about Damien, he knows his finances. He does. If you, want, if you have questions about money, go ask Damien. Dave Ramsey, whatever it is, biblical basis, principles for, for money. Damien's on it. Budgeting, yes, he'll help you with that. That's Damien, me. I don't have, I don't have large credit card debt. I, I pay my bills on time, but I have a more of ah, not worry. Go through life, it'll be all right. God will provide. Are they both good? Mm-hmm. Can they be bad? Yeah. And just recently, we've had some several talks, and I said, hey, calm down. You don't need to be so worried about your money. He comes to me, hey, Zach, you should really have a budget. And about a year ago, I did get a little budgeting app that he recommended. And it's been good since. But finance is a sticky thing. And I hope we're still friends after this. But what I'm trying to say is we can still get along and we can still address things that we see in a brother or sister's life. That's what I'm trying to get at. But that takes courage. It does. But we need it more than ever in the world that we live in. Thank God for brothers and sisters around you. Address them with courage. And another thing is in current events, it takes courage to know what to stand for. You might be thinking, yeah, Zach, I'm tired of talking about all this. And if you're like me, I get tired of talking about it too. But it's real. And we as Christians need to recognize it. This whole mass thing has been hard for some of us to accept and for me as well. So I would like to go, I try to go into stores without wearing a mask. Sometimes I have it in my back pocket if they ask me to, you know. Well, a couple weeks ago we went shopping and I actually had a mask in my back pocket, but I didn't have one for Ruthie. We'll go in. Well, lady stopped us at the door. And, oh, let me back up. So there's, they say that if you have a, a health issue, you don't need to wear a mask. And they can't question you on it, right? Keep that in mind. My wife's pregnant. So walk, walk, walk in the door and say, hey, you have to have a mask. Said, oh, we don't have enough. Huh? You've got to have a mask. I said, even a pregnant lady? Is that a health issue? She asked. Oh, she came right back. Uh, she had a mask. She gave, she gave a mask for, for Ruthie to wear. My attitude was not right. I wanted to give pushback. It was okay for me to wear a mask. But I just wanted to, <clears throat> see? My attitude was wrong. 
Sometimes courage can have the wrong attitude. You follow me? I did not say that comment for God's glory. I said that comment for me, to make me look better than that lady. That wasn't right. And just recently I talked to another brother who went into a restaurant. He had a, he had a mask in his back pocket, if they asked. Nobody asked. Sat sitting there at the table, waitress in talking with them says, you know what? You were a witness to me. You're showing me that we don't need to be afraid. Ah. Okay, so why that response? Well, I wasn't wearing a mask in the store. Why can't I be a... Uh, my attitude. See? That brother had a mask in his back pocket. If they would have asked him to wear a mask, he would have worn it. That wasn't the point. You follow me? You gotta make sure our attitude is right and our courage. And now time out. Don't go down a road deciding oh, what I believe on the mask issue. No. That's not the reason I brought this up, okay? Think about our attitude and courage in current events. There's many opinions out there. We need to be courageous, but watch your attitude behind it. I need to work on that. And the biggest thing about caring, there's a couple examples there. The biggest problem with carrying that out is we fear people. There's a monument to Lord Lawrence that said he feared man so little because he feared God so much. How do we fear God much? It goes back to that seeking God. It does. That's where we build the faith and confidence so that when it comes down to the moment, we do not fear man, but we fear God more and we have that faith and confidence that he will walk through us no matter what. Whether it's talking to Damien, whether it's in the store, you with me? There's a story about David Livingstone over in Africa. A society newspaper wrote to him and said, Hey, let us know when you have a good road going to where you are. We have young men ready to go. David Livingstone says, Uh-uh. He wrote back, If you have men that will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men... Strong and courageous who will come if there's no road at all. It's easy for us to set up things in our life to make it easy for us to be courageous. If we know there's a moment where I'll need to talk to Damien about that, I, I can avoid that. We get pretty good at that. If it's meeting our neighbor down the road, I got pretty good at, oh, he's outside, okay, I'm going this way. Is that courage? Courage means going if there's no road at all. And it's going back. I'm going to keep drilling it. Going to God builds that faith and confidence for the moment. Remember that. Point number three. We see the need. We get courage. We execute when we execute courage, there is a reward that is above all else. We have influence on others, like that brother in the restaurant. He had an opportunity to speak. And sometimes we never know the effects of our courage. It can change many lives. 
Think of David and Goliath. Because he stood up to Goliath, he affected, he made an impact on a whole host of people. The girl who knelt down at the cross, 92 others. There was a story of a soldier, and I think about a year ago I shared this, but I'd like to share it again. He was assaulted for prayer, and his chaplain encouraged him, hey, just stop praying. That'll take care of it. Don't pray in public. But he chose to have prayer with persecution, then outward peace without it. And like you know, the result, all his tent companions knelt with him in prayer eventually. He went back to his chaplain and said, isn't it better to keep the colors flying? Now, hopefully they prayed long enough. They came across a verse about non-resistance. But my point there is, when we stand for what is right, we have an influence. We have an impact on other people who are watching us. And sometimes when we're mocked or scorned for what we stand for, we want to get revenge. We want to get back at those people that laugh at us. That's not our job. God will take care of that. Think about Elisha. God brought the bears out. Think about Daniel. The people that threw him in the lion's den, they were the ones that got thrown in. That's not our job. That's God's job. And of course, when we're courageous, we will be rewarded by God. We have an eternal home. God will say, good job. Well done, servant. Are you ready to be courageous? Or maybe you are already. But is there one area this week that you can be courageous? That I can be courageous? Be like a thermostat. Don't be like the thermometer. True courage is like a kite. Contrary winds rise it higher. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I'd like to leave you with two verses. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you come to that cross, what are you going to do? Jesus gave that illustration in Matthew 13 about the parable of the sower. He sowed on the different grounds. The stony ground... It got root, started growing, but when persecution came, it died. When persecution comes, when those moments of courage come, are you going to die or are you going to live? If you're grounded, if you see the need, and when you see the need for courage, it's there. We've got to seek God with all our heart. God, I want to be with you. God, I want you. And then it means executing it, maybe boldly. Maybe privately with a brother or sister. Maybe in the world around us in the current events that we have. And as I think about my leadership that God has called me to, I want to be courageous. And I call you as brothers and sisters. Tell me when you don't see a man of courage. We need to be men and women Grounded in God, grounded in that relationship with God, that when the moments for the need of courage come, we have that faith and confidence. He will be with us. Go this week and be courageous.
Let's all stand for prayer. Brother Nate, if you'd have a song then after the prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for being God. Thank you for being our Father. Dear God, as we look at the world around us, there's such a need for courage. And I need it in my life to stand for what is right. And I can prepare for those moments by most of all seeking you and building that faith and confidence in you. And I lift up my brothers and sisters here at Myerstown. May we pursue you with all our hearts. So when those moments of testing come, we may stand strong and be men and women of courage. Dear God, I pray that you would go with us from here. Grant us your grace. Help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.